listening to Alcoholics Anonymous Alive. Here are your co-hosts, Shank and Wayne. Well, Shank, it looks like we made it through another week of uh, being free. We've gotten a lot of good feedback from our last episode with Tammy Z. And um, in keeping with our kind of theme of keeping things simple, trying to keep things on factual stuff that's in our book, I think our uh, episode today is going to be epic. Of course, it's going to be epic. We have Otis with us. Yeah, so we got Otis straight from Andy Griffith's show. He um, <laughs> he was, uh, I don't know what that's called, kryptonized. They froze him back a while back, and uh, they, they've unfollowed him, and he has actually come out of the, the Mayberry City Jail <laughs> to be with us. Before we get to him, just a couple of reminders that we are members of Alcoholics Anonymous, but we don't speak for Alcoholics Anonymous. We have a lot of shared shared experience as uh, members of AA, and we just hope to share that with people and that they may be able to get something out of that that will help them to uh, stay sober and grow spiritually. Otis, what are you up to? Well, hey, thank you for the invitation. It's it's <laughs> awesome to be here. Had a good uh, a good good kip in the uh, in the jail last night. And um, <laughs> now is Barney still is Barney still there? That guy, that guy got on anti antidepressants and anti anxiety medication. Ooh. Oh, and nice! Now he sells insurance. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> so he's pretty chill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I love that show, man. That was like Otis was. I don't know about I don't know about you guys, but those uh, the, the cat characters like Otis were heroes of mine. I just thought, yeah, there's a yeah. there's a a groundbreaker. Yeah, <laughs> he was a, he was a pioneer for sure. <clears throat> Tell us a little bit about yourself, Otis. Yeah, I have a sobriety date. It's October 24th, 1989. I was separated from alcohol, I hope, uh, at age 28. Um, uh, I'll be 62 uh, next month. Uh, So because of rooms like this and people like you, I I get to be in the middle of a useful life. I I didn't expect to live this long. For a long time, I didn't want to live this long. Uh, I first met you guys when I was 22 years old. So that's part of my my story. Maybe we'll get into some of that stuff. Um, I'm a member of a home group. I, I have a service position there. I uh, I participate in the uh, cor- uh, corrections treatment uh, committees in my area. Nice. Um, inter- I'm I'm the computer guy when intergroup uh, needs somebody, and and I participate with the uh, the area. Um, and I I say all that not to say that I'm such a good boy. But I can look in the eye and tell you, and I'm an active member of Alcoholics Anonymous today. I'm uh, I'm, enga- I'm engaged. <laughs> I, I'm sponsored, nice. and I have the privilege of working with other men. Awesome. Good deal. We are. Um, well, it's good to know that you're active, Otis. And that uh, they got computers in the jail there, maybe. <laughs> I just go to the jail to sleep. Right. <laughs> All right. Shank, what is our topic today? Our topic today is step three. So step three is made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. And um, I know that when I got to Alcoholics Anonymous, I personally did not have any problem with God, with religion. I mean, I'd walked away from it. But if that's what I needed to do, that was fine. I had no problems with it. I'll try it. I don't know. Um, so 
you know, it was just not a problem for me. God is, we understand fine. Who understands them? You know, like, I don't care. Do whatever you need to do. You didn't spend any time trying to figure out what God's will was for you at the time. Like, well, it was pretty apparent what God's (laughs) will for me at that time was, you know, I didn't have much choice in it anyway. I was more concerned about the state of North Carolina's will for me. Yeah. Well, we know what that was. (laughs) Concrete and steel. Right? That's right. Barbed wire. Gun. Yeah. It was a gun camp. Still is. It was a gun camp. Otis, you want to uh, share a little bit about your experience with Step 3, Otis? I was just feeling good that, you know, they kept Shank off the street there for a well, while. Well, hey, listen. <laughs> you know what I mean? After the news story ran that night, and mm-hmm. they locked her up not long after that, we were a lot of us were relieved. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, it it, uh, it, it benefited. Countywide sigh of relief. Yes. Well, my, my experience on this is, you know, I mean, in general, um, I am, I am a hard headed, self-willed, um, intellectually uh, self-sufficient, uh, person, you know, if it's to be, it's up to me kind of thing. If you want potatoes, son, get a, hoe. that's, uh, that's (laughs) kind of my attitude about things. And uh, nobody ever told me that stuff, by the way. And I, I'm fortunate that, uh, I, I was I was raised in a I wouldn't even call it a religious discipline, but I was exposed to um, to, to to religion and all of that was very positive, very loving, very kind. Uh, it wasn't operative in my home. We never prayed over meals or nobody ever told me to go to God with anything growing up. So it was always sort of a an extra curriculum. and didn't seem important. You know, it was maybe something that we did, but. And then as, as I went along, I definitely, when I arrived in front of you guys, I had many, many hours on uh, uh, bar stools arguing the non-existence of God. I considered myself a sort of a militant atheist, you know, I was sort of an evangelical atheist, you know, (laughs) like I really wanted to sort of convince you how, just how stupid you really were uh, to believe in sky daddy or whatever fantasy you you had going on there. And so all that's. All that, I, I, I relate to Bill, too, you know, like um, uh, the burnings and the chicanery. That's me on a bar stool, man. That stuff made me sick, you know, mm-hmm. the way things are people are doing in the name of God. You know, it's disgusting, you know, and and so I so all of that stuff are barriers that 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 I I couldn't have described at the time. But, um, you know, really are, are are just me building myself up, me thinking I know more than you, me thinking I'm better than you, smarter than you. I got this figured out, you know, sure. Sorry. You need a crutch. Uh, but like everything in AA, man, I mean, I describe myself as a reluctant member of Alcoholics Anonymous. You guys were talking last week. I met doorknob guy day one, <laughs> day one. Yeah. I, sh- I show up in this uh, crummy little <laughs> detox, 22 years old. My arms are black and blue. I've been up for three or four days straight. You know, I'm incoherent and hostile and, and I don't even know what's wrong with me. I don't know what alcoholism is. I don't know any of that stuff, man. And I, and I, uh, you know, what I know today is this guy was 12 stepping me, the intake guy, and he's asking me questions. And, and in the condition that I just described to you, he's like, have you ever considered going to AA? I was like, no. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and I managed to convey to him that it was some sort of religious thing, you know, cause I, like yeah. Jerry, I came up in the seventies, man, there was, there were all kinds of uh, failed communes and weird cults happening. You know, I always tell people, Google the Moonies, man. The Moonies <laughs> are, were a thing, you know? Yeah. you know, your perfectly good buddy, Billy might not be here next week because the Moonies got him, you know? And mm-hmm. so anyway, th- but that guy said to me, he said, David, you don't have to worry about it. 
he said, you don't have to worry about any of that stuff, Otis. He said, you could make anything your higher power in AA. You could make a doorknob your higher power. Oh, and I, no. And I swear to God, I, and I'm psychotic at this point. It's just a house of mirrors, Victorian freak show in front of me. I, I don't even, I'm barely connected with reality at this point. But I remember thinking, that's the craziest thing I ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> They're yeah. worshiping doorknobs and Alcoholics Anonymous. You ain't yeah. gonna get me like that, man. Hence, you know? Yeah, hence a reason not to use the term. Yeah. And the the other thing too, man, is like I'm I'm super hesitant to this day to make any sort of claims about God, you know, because really it was your insistence that I could sort that out any way I saw fit. Yeah. I believe saved my life, you know. Um, and I hear people throwing around concepts of God or explanations about, well, God did this or that for me or everything. And I'm thinking, really, really, bro, is that it? You know, I don't know, but I don't want to mess with anybody else's chance of survival around here, you know? And so I've bounced off, off all the walls, all of them, you know, uh, I have turned my will in my life over to the, uh, to the care of, of Alcoholics Anonymous, to good orderly direction. I have, um, my, one of my first sponsors, uh, said, uh, you know, if you, if you're not fixed on a higher power, my, my higher power is all love, nothing but love, all powerful and instantly accessible, all love, nothing but love, all powerful, instantly accessible. And that got into my mind a little bit. I think, I suppose I could turn my will in my life over to power of love, you know, um, that's, that, that's okay with me. And, um, uh, the other thing too, man, is like once that door is open a little bit, I think I think an important stake to put in the ground for me is it, it doesn't say having had a spiritual awakening as the result of step three, right? Yeah. Um, and we agnostics, it tells me if I, I either I do believe or am I willing to believe? And if I'm willing to believe, then I then you guys emphatically assure me I'm on my way. And I if I can check that box then let's, let's make a decision and get on with the inventory. You know, let's get on with the other steps into action because it's going to change. I don't know about you guys, but it changes, doesn't it? I mean, absolutely. So, so you got to AA 22, a doorknob guy, and then you were back in AA at 27, you said 28, 28. So at 28, how had like, what was step three like for you at 28 when you arrived back in AA? I had been beaten into a state of reasonableness. I was tired of listening to my own head. I was tired of arguing. I was tired of fighting. I was fully in contact with the idea that I had a problem that I could not solve myself and that everything I could think of was, was, was vapor. You know, I, I couldn't do one more gym membership, one more diet, one more girlfriend, (laughs) one more job. You know what I mean? I just recycled all of that stuff. My new plans I was aware that my new plan was going to fail. And uh, doorknob was looking pretty good at that point. Anything was looking good. You know (laughs) what I mean? It was like, I will do anything. And, uh, but, but not, I won't believe in God. Mm. Think that Mm. I still, I was still hanging on to refusing to believe in God. In fact, I fancy, I said, you know what? I'm going to be the only guy. I'm going to be the only guy who successfully has a spiritual awakening without God. You know, I'm going to, this is what washed up on the shores for you guys to work with. (laughs) But what happened was, was nobody, I mean, nobody would argue with me. I always wanted to argue with people, you know, and you guys wouldn't argue. That was cool, David. Believe whatever you want, man. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Go, go ahead, you know. And, um, 
And I, I, I made that decision. I got on with that first inventory and I started coming into contact with the truth about myself is what it looked like then, you know, and you guys got me out on the men's trail pretty quick. And my sponsor said, uh, you're done being sorry, David. Now you get to be wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't mean to use profanity in here. You know, like, <laughs> I was, I was, I was 30 years old before I ever admitted I was wrong about anything. And, um, and all of that stuff really just sort of um, led me in a direction. And I'll just go ahead and tell it real quick. Because what happened to me, man, is I, I came here with nothing. I, I, didn't, I, I didn't accumulate any. I didn't accumulate a wife. And I didn't accumulate children. I didn't accumulate college degrees. I didn't, I didn't have anything but debt when I came here, you know, and, 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 and near-death experiences, you know. And, and, uh, and I worked really hard in AA for about six years and six, seven years, as hard as anybody I've ever seen work and helping other people and being a member of a home group and doing these things. And uh, everything I ever wanted sort of came my way, you know, business dropped in my lap, uh, got married. Uh, all, I, I always wanted to have a son. Three of them came along. And uh, now I'm the uh, now I'm the the uh, Civic League uh, block captain security guy. I'm the Lamaz coach. I'm the Cub Scout leader. I'm doing all this. You know, I'm <laughs> I'm a citizen. I'm signing mortgage. I've never been a citizen before, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh and I just leaked away from Alcoholics Anonymous. And 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 what what's important to share about that is I didn't decide to leave AA. I didn't think I wasn't an alcoholic. I didn't want to drink. None of that stuff, man. One commitment at a time. My sponsor passed away. I didn't hire another one. My home group, everybody's kind of selfish anyway, right? Right. And, be and besides, mm -hmm. the baby's colicky. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I need to be, this is this is where I'm, this is where God wants me to be, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, so I fast forward to 14 years sober, roughly 18 years ago, whatever the math is on that. And uh, I hadn't been to an AA meeting in years. My, um, my wife had a boyfriend, was inviting me to leave the marriage. My business was failing. Um, I couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. <laughs> my children were indifferent to my comings and goings. And 14 years sober, I'm sitting in my backyard thinking about killing myself. So I have the experience of nearly dying of active alcoholism, stone cold sober. And um, what ended up happening to me was I, I, I ended up sitting in front of a guy who was properly armed with the facts about himself. And while I was laying out my tale of woe, he mm -hmm. cut me off in the middle of my tail of woe. And he said, yeah, man, AA is full of guys like you. You're suffering from untreated alcoholism. Mm -hmm. yep. I, was in, I was insulted. <laughs> so was it then that you think maybe you were able to turn your will and your life over to the care of God? Was that kind of like one of those moments for you? Some of the old timers would call it a second surrender, maybe. Mm -hmm. I, I don't I don't really know. Um, I At that point, I was again, beaten in a state of reasonableness, having burned. You see, the idea that really needed to go, I think, for me, and this was a deep down idea that I couldn't have described, but the idea that I had in my head really was that alcohol was the problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. if, if, I well, get if I get rid of that, I'm going to be fine. So I had to experience not being fine and sober. Well, Jerry, what does it even mean to turn your will and your life over to the care of God? Well, that's a good question. I Come think on, Wayne. Of, what does that of, even mean? Easy does it, Shank. One of the things on uh, like what Otis is talking about, I think this is not exactly right, but a lot of people, they 
they really they're turning their they turn their drinking over mm-hmm. to like God or to the program. And just by quitting drinking and doing a few few things in the program, your life will get better. And but we really don't turn our complete life over. Um I know for me early on when I took the step the first time, I didn't really understand what I was doing. I knew that I drank a lot, hurt a lot of people, and I wanted to change. And I'm grateful that they they didn't the guy I took the steps with the first time didn't let me sit around and think about it or analyze it or write out a bunch of stuff on what I thought God was or God wasn't. It was more of a simple question of, Hey, are you willing to believe? And I said, yes, even though I didn't know what I was saying yes to. And I moved on and wrote, you know, wrote the inventory. I did have questions about what my will was and what my life was. And early on, it was simply explained to me. This was helpful to me. I know this is probably not in the, in the book exactly this way, but my will was kind of my, my thoughts and my, my thinking. And, you know, I was told that I had no real control or, uh, over my, those crazy thoughts that, but I was going to try to not pay so much attention to that and turn that over to, to, to a power greater myself. And then my life was like my actions. And that's what I was going to try to, to do was to try to act right. And if I didn't know what to do, do nothing, talk to somebody. Um, so that's kind of what I did early on, just some simple actions. I, I know now looking back on it, that in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, the real way that I do that is by taking steps four through nine. Mm-hmm. That when I take, those are actions contrary to my will that help me understand where I'm selfish and where I'm self-centered and where I'm full of fear. And there get that gives me an avenue to to clean that up and overcome that to where, you know, I come into a relationship with that power. And you know, I, I mean, I, I, it's it's clear now that that's how you do step three is that's how you turn your life over is is by taking steps four through nine honestly. But it doesn't look like that when you first first hear it. It doesn't seem like that's going to fix anything. Now, Shank, you. So my first attempt at taking the step, I just said a prayer. Here's the funny thing about that is I sometimes don't say this in meetings because I get, I get like chastised for it or like assassinated. I took my, my first time taking the third step. I took it by myself mm-hmm. and I did not use the prayer in the big book. Mm-hmm. And guess what? I'm still sober. It worked. Yep. The guy I took the steps with, he was there, but he sent me into the, I had a connection with nature. He sent me into the woods. I don't know that I've ever actually said this. He sent me into the woods. <laughs> I sat down by a tree and thought about God a little bit. I said a prayer and then I walked out of the woods and got, got with him. We had a little bit of a discussion on step three and he gave me instructions to write a four step. Been so ever since. So the book even says the words are optional. Mm-hmm. The book says you can take it with somebody or you can take it by yourself. It's funny. We got these big book Nazis that want to stick to the letter of the law. But then when you when when you get to parts like that, if you don't do it with your sponsor or ex- say the exact word and look up all these freaking definitions and all this, then you, you've done it wrong. <laughs> well, no, keep it simple. 
Now, Shank, I know you took your third step, first third step with a method, didn't you? I did. What um, happened? Well, you know, I had done a third <laughs> step, I think, in treatment. So I went to a 30-day treatment center. I don't really recall that very much. But when I was incarcerated, when I was in prison and I started going through the steps, you know, I had this idea of what it was supposed to look like and what I was supposed to do. I'd been hearing this in AA meetings for, I think I was in AA meetings for like two months before going to prison. And there was a girl that I met and she was like, oh, I've been sober for a year. And I just thought that was incredible. And she was just like, you know, I mean, everyone liked her and I was like, oh, and she's sober. This is great. Finally, someone else who's trying to do what I'm doing. And I don't recall if we said uh, the prayer exactly out of the book or not. All I know is when I found out, because my sponsor had been telling me, like, find someone in there to work the steps with. It doesn't matter who it is. Um, You need face to face time with someone. And I found out that she'd been doing meth in jail before she got to prison (laughs) and that she had lied about being sober. And I was very angry. I was distraught. I thought I was going to have to do it again. I thought it didn't count. And I couldn't call anyone for, I don't know, a few days or a week. And I just remember being so angry. Like, I cannot believe this girl would do this. Like if she's been an AA, she should know she's wrong. And this is messing up my sobriety. Uh, and I remember just talking to my sponsor and she was like, who cares? Like, it does not matter. Did you mean it when you said it? Do you yeah. want to turn your will and life over? Did you start the fourth step? Great. Continue on. Like, shut up, you know? Yeah. Stayed sober, huh? I've stayed sober. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about that? That guy that, uh, yeah. that my, my first sponsor, the guy that was all love, nothing but love, all powerful instant. He conned me out of $200 and left town. <laughs> Did he really? Yeah. yeah. If you nice. think I didn't have the topic at every meeting for the next month or so, you know, you got to. <laughs> well, that, that yes. was God's will. Though. It was. Yeah. I haven't moved. Audience. I have the same phone number. I still haven't gotten amends. I, I really, <laughs> I legitimately hope that that guy's okay. Yeah. Yes, Absolutely. So how about, um, I've heard several times people talk about just like taking their will back. And I know that part of this is a meeting shrapnel, but I'm just very curious. Like, you know, I've also heard that you do one third step and you, as long as you don't drink, you don't have to do it again. So where are we on that guys? Oh, did you got any thoughts on any of that? Yeah, man. Uh, (laughs) Don't, I think, don't, use, don't use I, all your meeting shrapnel ammo yeah, right now. But. I, I think I'll save the shrapnel. You yeah. know, what 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 my um my current misunderstanding of all this is is that it's practice. <laughs> um I, I again I'm i I've I've been a tough sell on all this stuff, right? I and I've always had to kind of back into it, you know, like like uh, the old timer, when I was trying, one, one of the things that hung me up for a long time was I, I thought that I would turn my will and my life over to the care of God when I understood God, you know, and, uh, and you, and I missed an important word there. It was just as, you know, and, and the old timer said, he said, there's only two things you need to know about God, Otis. There is one and you ain't it. <laughs> and, and, and you guys tell me stuff like that. And I just walk away shaking my head thinking, is there somebody intelligent I could talk to? You know what I mean? Right. It's like, but you know what? That seems to be the truth. 
um, there is a God and I ain't it. You know, the first thing that he asked me to do is to be convinced that any life, not just not just Otis's or alcoholics, any life run on self-will is hardly going to be a success. You know, and uh, and I can see how I'm the actor who wants to run the whole show. I'm always uh, trying to figure out how to make the next move. I know what I should do. I know what you should do. I know how this podcast should go. I know how that meeting ought to go. I know how I should be greeted. I know how I should be treated. And I got ideas about all these things. And that's just me. Self-will run riot, you know? Mm -hmm. And so there's an invitation and I love that beautiful prayer. I say that prayer multiple times a day. Said it before we got on this podcast, but I think the decision of the third step is on the bottom of page 62. You know, that hereafter in this drama of life, that whatever God is, is going to be the director of this show. And I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to be the actor receiving the uh, script, right? Uh, you, you want a business analogy? God's going to be the principal. I'm going to be the agent. I'm, I am charged with operating on God's behalf in this, uh, in this venue, you know, uh, or benevolent father. And I'm to take the position of being the child. So also on page 62, it talks a lot about um, self-centeredness. So how do you think that that really plays into like, yes, self will run riot, but the selfishness and the self-centeredness, how does that, how does that play into the third step for you? Well, it tells me that it's the root of my trouble. Mm -hmm. It tells me above everything, I've got to get rid of it or it's going to kill me. And then it tells me that I can't get rid of it myself, (laughs) right? That God makes that possible, right? Simple sentence. God makes that possible, right? So, you know, how many people in AA are going to tell you, you got to let that go, bro. You know, I call it spiritual cotton candy, right? It sounds pretty good. The first bite of it tastes great, you know, but I get three traffic lights down the road and I'm like, I don't really know how to do that. (laughs) I can't live on that. Right. So, so there is some conclusions of the mind, right? I, I, I've got to, I believe that I need to get acquainted with the idea that I thought alcohol was my trouble. You know, I thought cocaine had to go. And you're telling me that my, my selfishness and self-centeredness is really what's killing me. Right. Yeah. And I had self, I had self-centeredness all tied up with uh, greedy. Right. And I don't see myself as a greedy person. So if you call me selfish, you're calling me greedy. And now we got to have an argument. Right. <laughs> Turns out I am greedy. Uh, but but also it's, that's not really what we're talking about. It's like, I'm not much, but I'm all I think about. I'm running through the world as the center of the universe. And all of you guys are just bit players in my show. Right. And you're not doing right. And so we're stepping on, I'm stepping on your toes. You're retaliating. So that's got to go. So the decision is the decision that I believe is a practice that I try to make multiple times a day is that, you know what? And he calls it a position at the top of 63. Just for now, I'm going to try to be, I'm going to try to come as a child. I'm going to try to come as an agent. I'm going to go ahead and just take the position of being the actor under the direction of this benevolent uh, force, whatever it is. It doesn't even matter what it is. Um, So, for me, it's a, it's a practice. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like, it sounds like you sharing your experience that it just has continued to grow as you practice it, which I think is a lot of people's experience in AA. It's certainly my experience. Yeah. It's, it seems that, I mean, my, my thoughts on some of your questions, Shank, are 
I think we do for me, I'm, I took, I made the decision one time. And I think if you follow the, the flow of the book and the way the instructions are laid out, it's, it is, it's a decision that we make. And then we, we move on with the rest of the steps and the idea that I'm not going to make any mistakes, or if I make a mistake, I've taken my will back and I got to start over and some of that stuff that you hear that maybe we'll cover in shrapnel. I, I, I've never, I've never been, been taught any of that, 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 and I think a lot of times this is a different episode. People think they'll always say, Oh, I took my wheel back. I'm, I do step three every day and, and I got to go back and turn it back over. I, I wouldn't argue that it, it could be semantics, but I think they're really talking about step 11 mm-hmm. yeah. and they're not, they're not praying for power and they're not praying for knowledge. And they're not furthering that that decision that they made. Um, so that I mean, that's just kind of my take on that. I, I will say this after that the I believe that that analogy that Otis referenced, where we were the actor and we were we play the director, mm-hmm. and we want everything to work out our way. We we pl- have all these plans and little designs about how people should act and what they should say. The longer I've been sober, the more. That, that is one of the most accurate statements for living that has ever been written in any book that's ever been written. That, that cuts right to every problem that I've ever had is that I, I think you should do something and you don't do it. And I get mad. I think you should say something and you don't say it. And I get, I, I, ha- I dealt with it this morning at the, at the courthouse with a different issue, right? The lady didn't quite, it did, I had all this planned out how things were going to go and she didn't do it the way that I thought she should, she's following rules. I think she should break the rules because I'm a good guy and I got good hair <laughs> and I got hypnotic. I got hypnotic eyes and she didn't buy into any of that. Mm-hmm. And so what I got mad. So, right. I'm it's the, it is the root of my trouble is my selfishness and self-centeredness. But when you're newly sober, you don't, it took me years to really understand that. Um. So yeah, I'll, I'll I'll go ahead and leak into the shrapnel because one 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 thing, one thing you'll never hear me say is that I I took I I turn it over and take it back mm-hmm. because it, it, to me that implies that implies some sort of decision and I have never once made the decision to run my own life. Yeah, you know? never once has it occurred to me I got this. Give God the Heisman, you know I got this, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, I've never made that decision, but I do discover myself in full career of it, you know? Right. I, so what I've come to see it as sort of my default mode, right. The left, left un, un, unsurrendered, unaided, un, unpracticed, inattentive to these ideas, I will revert back to running the show. And then I find myself in, in the pain of that. <laughs> and then right. I notice, oh, here, here's me running David's show, uh, running this show again, mm-hmm. letting myself in and out of the jail. Um, so I never take my will back. I do notice that I often have it, though. Yeah. Shank, you ever uh, run the show? Well, yeah, of course. I have a lot of great ideas. And, um, you know, of course I run the show. I'm learning right. better how to uh make a suggestion and not run the show but still get the un- outcome that I that I desire. Some yeah. may call that manipulation, but manipulation. 
<laughs> I, um, I do, but, but the thing that I have learned and where I have been the last several years is, you know, when I notice that I'm trying to do things to suit me, I try to figure out, I launch out on that course of vigorous action, right? Um, I mean, it tells us that it could have little permanent effect unless, unless at once followed by strenuous effort to face and be rid of the things in ourselves, which have been blocking us. And over the years, I've definitely learned that, you know, that's that moment that I need to turn outward and say, well, what is the issue here? Really? It usually is either things at work or with AA. And how can I actually just help someone? Who am I trying to help? You know, I'm trying to get my way. There usually is a reason for it. You know, I usually think that I'm helping people uh, and I generally am, but that doesn't yeah. mean that my idea is the best one or the right one or the only one either. So right. I think it is continuing through that thought um, with action and some house cleaning. Yeah. That's, that's uh, that what you just referenced. I know we talked about this once before the on page 63 and 64 in the big book, mm-hmm. it's after the prayer and it goes up onto page 64. Most people don't read that when you're doing step three, mm-hmm. but mm. it's probably one of the most important pieces. They oh, think you're talking. Yeah. They think you're <laughs> talking about step four. And I used to think this too, but that paragraph where it's talking about. Um, it's going to wear off. Yeah, right. That you got to immediately after saying the prayer, you got to immediately launch on that course of action and do a personal house cleaning. It even tells us in the book there that that decision, the third step decision can be permanent, if I remember that correctly, mm-hmm. as long as we follow it with um, the effort to face and be rid of ourselves, uh, what's blocking us. That That's a key thing, too, to me, you know, in in, in terms of. Uh, I'm I'm supposed to strenuously search out the things in myself that are blocking me, which seems to me to be a far more important thing to do than to figure out the nature of God. Right. Exactly. Right. You know, like, and, and it does, it, it says our liquor is just a symptom, but my, since you, since you turned the page, my favorite promise in the book, I got this little fantasy thing. uh, Hey Otis, would you read the promises at the meeting? And I'd say, Sure. When the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out <laughs> mentally and physically. That's right. Yeah. I don't yeah. thank people. I don't thank people for letting me read. <laughs> um, Thanks for I, letting me read. <laughs> Thanks for sharing, Otis. So, and and I and to your point, Jerry, the um, um, BBOT, whatever, whatever, you, whatever we're calling you. <laughs> yeah, Jerry's fine. Bebot. Get, yeah. Right. Jay yeah, Wayne. Right. Jay Wayne. I, I I think you're absolutely right. If I go out and do this house cleaning, get my and and it makes sense for me to do that on my past because I got a hopper full of material there that's never been addressed. So let's go ahead and learn these skills, inventory and confession and restitution and and then we're now and then we are in our present, right? Yeah. And if I'm doing that step 10 as a daily thing, uh daily thing, uh yeah. Continuing to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear, and I'm praying about it, asking God to remove it, and I'm talking to somebody, I'm making amends quickly, resolutely turning my thoughts and attention to somebody I can help, then I don't find myself running the show. Yeah. 
I, I find myself confessing my shortcomings. I found my, I find myself realizing that I'm here to serve, that I am here to love and serve you and that that is my purpose. How can I help? What can I do? You know, I'm easier not- said than done too. Like I remember when I was new, listen, I'll t- okay. I'll tell you a story. I was, um, when I was in prison, it was a maximum security women's prison and there's no air conditioning in this prison. And during count time, when they come in and like count everyone, make sure that everyone is still safe and sound within the facility. You just have to sit there in silence um, on your wool blanket and sweat the whole time. And, you know, like as a treat, if we were good, we had a couple of fans we could turn on. Mm. And the way that the fans were blowing was just, it was not, um, it was just ergonomically not the best way for all of the air circulation to go through our little pod. And so I let everyone know, hey, we need to move these fans. And um, I mean, I don't know if you, that's not the, that's not what you do in prison. You don't just take over when you're new and tell everyone right. what to do. <laughs> and I just could not let it go. And there were several times that I almost got beat down in prison. And this was one of them because I would not let it go. And you know, I remember talking to some ladies, I don't know if it was my sponsor or whoever. And they're like, why do you think that you're the smartest person? Like, and I'm like, I just, I just don't understand. They won't listen to me. I know what's best. And she's like, you don't know anything, Susie. Um, and also you're going to die. Like you will, you will get shanked, you know, um, <laughs> that is not how I got my nickname, but I did just have this arrogance about me that I knew what was best in most scenarios. And if you would just listen, then we would all be better off for it. Um, And I remember her just telling me too, like, you know, then I kind of for a while got into the God's will, you know, well, I just don't think it's God's will for me to lay up here sweating when everyone else gets to feel the fan, you know, like whatever the situation was, I was just so delusional, probably in a heat stroke also, but um, (laughs) I was just so delusional that I thought I knew what was best for everyone. I was not afraid to say it. I'm, I'm glad I can tell you all these stories, but that like people in and around our area didn't necessarily see my bad behavior when I was new. Like I can tell you what I did now, you know, but you you weren't seeing it. You're not telling me the story. I'm telling you the right. story. Oh my goodness! By That's... the way, I think I think you should never tell anyone how you got your nickname. It's a beautiful little teaser that's floating through the threat <laughs> the, the through line of this podcast. You know, yeah. I don't think but, we're going to disclose it. Probably not. But you said something interesting because it's delusion, right? Yes, absolutely. it's delusion, and and if I'm delusional, I'm passing the lie detector test. <laughs> That's exactly right. I believe right. it. That's the right. show will be great if you just listen to me. Yes. Yep. 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 What did uh, I love? What Bill Wilson wrote in his in his uh, story it says: simple but not easy. Mm-hmm. A price had to be paid. It meant destruction of self centeredness. So he's even saying that that's basically the kind of this one of the solutions to our problem is that we got to we got to destroy self. It's really the purpose of the steps to find that power and to overcome selfishness and self-centeredness. The book talks way more about selfishness and self-centeredness and helping people than it does all this other nonsense that we sometimes hear in in meetings. Um, 
And I think he even wrote that he had to turn to God in all things. Mm-hmm. All things. All things, yeah. Not so, just some things. That's a fairly large set of yeah. things. Yeah. We like to, <laughs> I like to pick and choose what I'm going to turn uh-huh. over, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. For mm. sure. And some of it, like like getting beat down or whatever, you know, I mean, if, if we're lucky enough to survive it, the world's going to rub off the, the sharp corners on, on us, too. Yeah. Because we can't just... It, it, your self will will run riot directing the show running into other people who are self-directed uh there's going to be conflict <laughs> it's going to yeah. hurt well i'll tell you i unplugged someone's cpap machine is what i did which was not you know ideal i just walked by and unplugged it because she was, I love I was you. arguing with the fans. <laughs> i love you so much that's the greatest but thing i've ever heard i did clean it up eventually okay did maybe you, i'll finish this story when we get to amends you know keep listening to see if i you, cleaned it up did you clean it up i'm going to make a note of this one please do this is new information <laughs> i hope you cleaned that up i did she was the yeah. lone shark so oh okay but i did clean it up so well, keep listening I, for that story if you're i guess better to piss the lone shark off than the maybe the the bouncers or the, the lone shark uh henchmen well because aa taught me to have a prudent reserve i did not utilize the lone <laughs> shark so yes you are correct oh that's great All right. right. Well, are we ready to get into the meeting shrapnel? Let's do it. Let's do meeting shrapnel. The, uh, so the first meeting shrapnel Otis is the term. It's a selfish program. Me, 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 me. What do you think about that Otis? I think it is the opposite of a selfish program. It is a self-forgetting program, uh, nor do I think it is a self-help program. Mm. I think it's a trust God, clean house, help others program. Mm-hmm. Uh, the opposite of selfish. This is an unselfish program. So what is it that people mean when they say that, though? Like, I feel like I hear it in the context of I have to take care of little Susie you know, to, to before I can take care of others. And, and there's certainly, I don't know, maybe there's some truth to that, but to me, that's just not AA. Yeah. I, Hey, listen, I think we should shut this down and all of us go get some me time right now. <laughs> and I'm going to go, I'm going to go run a hot bubble bath and uh, give me some hot tea, Otis, and just feel good. Listen, Are you getting I, enough me time, Jerry? I mean, I take I love to take a bath. Like sure. I'm a bath girl. I love to drink tea. I love yes. to I go and get a massage. Massage, yes. I do all these other th- like those are in addition to my life. Like I have so many hours in the day now because I'm not hungover or I'm not drinking or I'm not planning all of those things. Mm-hmm. But it's like everything I want to do, I I can do. Yeah. I'm I'm grateful that that. I don't think we hear this as much as we used to. At least I don't. And it's maybe because of the, the meetings that I go to. I don't go to a lot of those goofy meetings anymore. But I think it was probably, again, born out of a, a, a treatment center mm-hmm. at a time when it was it was thought or believed that you had to just absolutely ditch everything and go to nothing but meetings and you had to take care of yourself first in order to stay sober. 
And I, th I think there's some validity in the, when you first get sober, you've got to do a few certain things to stay sober and to kind of build that foundation. And it can look almost as irresponsible as drinking to like family and friends sometimes. But at some point that's got to shift to where you're, you're sober and you're, you're, you're trying to help people and you're trying to, to give back to your family and give back to your community and your employer or whatever that is. So I, I think it's, it's misinterpreted. Um, Cause what I heard, it's kind of like the 90 90. What I heard when I heard this was that, man, I just got to do whatever I got to do. It doesn't matter what my family, friends and employer think, or, or I'm, I got to do what I got to do. And I, I don't think that's right. Mm -hmm. Well, You're, do you want to, do you want to keep it? You want to scrap it? Oh, I'm scrapping this one. <laughs> I, I don't know about Otis. He may have a few more words about it. But. No, no, it, it, it's gotta go. Okay. Uh, we, we, I, I think you're right. I think that well-intended place was, um, and you don't hear this too often anymore, is you got to put this program above everything, right? Yeah. You got to make it the most important thing in your life. And then the way we interpret that, yes, we don't interpret that as uh, I've got to play spiritual principles first. The way we interpret that is uh, I got to get out of this marriage and I got to go to uh, 175 yep. meetings in the next mm -hmm. week, you know. Um, so it probably came from a good place, but it, it's an unselfish program. Scrap it. Scrap it. Shank. It's out of here. It's out, out of here. here. All right. All right. What's the next one? So next, I want to go to taking back my will. So we talked about that one a little bit, but um, what do you think, Otis? Taking my will back. I, I've i never done it. I've never decided to do it. I think it's a, a, a misdirection. I think it's um, useless. Yeah, you also, you also hear the, I turned it over and then I took it back. Yes. I turned it over and then I took it back. Yes. I am, I'm with Otis on this. I, I, um, I've never really understood it. I, I mean, I don't think that um, making a mistake in life or making a bad decision means that I, you know, purposely took my will back. I, I just, I just don't understand it. I, I think it, it keeps people spun up that kind of live, that kind of live in this world or that buy into that. It keeps them spun up and constantly like on edge instead of just moving forward and, and focusing on, you know, trying to, uh, to improve and, and take their own inventory. Um, I mean, I, I understand why people would think this, but. I, I almost I, just hear it sometimes. And maybe this is like, whatever principles before personal, I don't know, but like, I almost hear it as an excuse sometimes when people are like, well, I took my will back. I did the thing again. I did whatever. So I'm going to give it back to God. I'm going to turn it back over. And I'm just like, that's not how that works. You know, like to your point earlier, that has to do with the step later on. Yeah. Yeah. That, and I'm just alcoholic. That's just the way it is. That's yes. just, you know, that's just, it's my that's disease. That's what we do. That's, that's what, what we, we do. do. Yeah. You'll hear that's that. That's not what I do. Don't let me in there. Yeah. Well, I'm going to turn it over and I'm going to take it back. Otis. Well, <laughs> Otis, you keeping it or are you scrapping it? It's got to go. Oh, scrap. I, I, I thought of you guys. I thought of you guys. <laughs> I, I was on the podium uh, uh, Saturday night, and it just—I got off. I 
I worked myself up into, I got a little fired up and I said, <laughs> and I said, and by the way, my, my illness is not out in that parking lot doing pushups. <laughs> my illness has been with me in every single meeting I've ever been to. And it's looking for inconsistencies. Yes. <laughs> Getting the shrapnel going in your talk. I love it. Yep. I I'm love glad, it. I'm glad we're having a wide impact. That's right. Yeah. All right. Sounds like go uh, taking back my will. Scrapped. Scrap. It's out of go. here. All right. The next one. What's the next one, Shank? All right. The next one is group of drunks or good orderly direction. So that would be kind of. God, as we understand him, you know, a lot of people will say, you know, that's the group of drunks. That's the good orderly direction um, for, I don't know, I guess people, atheist, agnostic type people who have a harder time. What do you, what are you thinking, Otis? Highs and good with the step. Let's see what <laughs> Otis has to say. You don't want to throw good order or um, gift, uh, gift of desperation in there. Oh, Ooh. that's a good one. That yeah. was nice. Frodo? <laughs> nice. No. We can scrap I, three at one time. I'm going to make a case for this one in favor of this one, only because of my own my own experience that uh, being so militantly atheist and really close-minded, um, just being willing to open my mind a little bit about something greater than myself and, and this is the important and, make a decision to get on with the rest of the steps, you know, to just open, be, be willing, either now believe, or are you willing to believe, get on your way. Let's write an inventory. Let's, uh, let's pray to whatever there is for the removal of these defects. Let's make these amends. Let's start trying to help people. Let's just have a, ha let's have a spiritual awakening as the result of all steps. Okay. Right? Are you want, are you wanting a rebuttal? Shank, so what's your <laughs> what's your experience with it, Shank? Well, um, I've been waiting to use this quote, Otis. You've just opened the door right for me. That's why I'm here. Um, so I I really like um, page one eighty one, which is Doctor Bob's nightmare, and it says, "If you think you're an atheist, an agnostic, a skeptic, or have any other form of intellectual pride which keeps you from accepting what is in this book, then I feel sorry for you." If you still think you are strong enough to beat the game alone, that is your affair. But if you really and truly want to quit drinking liquor for good and all and sincerely feel that you must have some help, we know that we have an answer for you. And I mean, what is better than that? You know, <laughs> I personally, I will say I did not have any trouble with God, capital G God, whatever people say, go to orderly direction, fine, group of drunks, fine. Um, I will tell you that sponsoring women, sometimes I do feel like the, the group of drunks, it's still like a person. So it's still either like, you know, like, oh, my sponsor, Susie, or my home group, this group of people. And as soon as they're let down by something I say or do, or don't say or don't do, then it's kind of like, well, God doesn't exist. I knew it. Um, so I do kind of see you know, maybe take issue with that a little bit and women that I've sponsored, but that's, you know, I mean, that's certainly not the group's fault either or my fault. Could I, could I try to bring a little more value to it before? Yeah. 
because because the, the the thing that I'm trying to say that goes with my experience is just let's not let's not let your misconceptions, misunderstanding or even your obstinance stop you from going forward. If you've got a basic willingness, go forward. When I wrote down my first fear inventory and I saw that I was number one, afraid of being alone and number two, afraid of people, I began to have a spiritual experience on the spot. When I went and, and did that first fifth step and and left, all those things came true that, that you read about in the fifth step. I began to feel the nearness of my creator. I began to see my mind continued to open the more that I did in the program. So what if I meet you halfway on good orderly orderly direction? Get rid of group of drunks, but keep good orderly direction. The I have them both in the same category. I don't my my basic argument is I don't care what your concept is. Just keep going, bro. Just keep what, going. What, what was the other one you said? Oh, gift of desperation. Gift of desperation. desperation. Yeah. yeah. Right. So Jay Wayne, pull uh, us in. Come on. No, I'm, I'm you guys got me. I feel like I'm at a business meeting where I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. And then, no, I don't. Yeah, I wait, agree with this. No. One. Oh, wait a minute. That's a good point. <sighs> um. Well, here's the here's the interesting thing. If we believe what the book says, the book says when we mention the word God, we mean your own conception of God. So technically, if we believe what Otis just said, then a doorknob or a chair is fine. Oh, we're taking it back. I, I, this uh, is old business. I, we're bringing I, uh, up old business. I know that's a stretch because... <laughs> there is probably a little more meat with a group of drunks or good early direction. So I, 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 I ask my sponsees, are you willing to believe in a power greater yeah. than yourself? And if they say oh, yes yeah. on perfect, move yeah, on that. Absolutely. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. I, um, I personally have never used the group of drunks. I, I do like good orderly direction. I mean, I think I, I, I can buy into that one. Um, I mean, I've been thinking about people that I sponsor. I've never really had that conversation with them specifically about these two things. It's always, are you willing to believe? Sometimes I don't even ask them what they believe. They, as long as they're willing, I move on with them and then they form their own conception. Absolutely. Um, I, I, to me, when people bring it up in a meeting, in a discussion meeting, and they mention group of drunks, it sounds goofy as, you know what, to me. I, it, so. Sounds like um, we're going to have to leave it up to the listeners. Email freedom at alcoholicsanonymouslive.com. It put your vote in. Let's do a vote on this. That's right. It. So so email <laughs> us and we'll we'll give you a uh the vote count later. I will tell you in my experience that every single person that I've ever worked with who was unable to pony up a basic willingness to believe in a power greater than themselves, I never heard a fifth step from them either. Absolutely. Yeah, that's so true. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. So we are now. I love it. Finally, someone who's going to come we, on here and say, no, David. Otis, we, Otis, we love you. Yeah, that's <laughs> we, awesome. I love you guys. I'm that a fan. Awesome. Hey, there's there's some more shrapnel, Shank. This one All here. Right. I don't have to like everybody, but I got to love everyone. <laughs> yes. Where does that Where does that come <laughs> from? So true. Add that to the list. We're going to bring that up later. Yep, I'm adding it. <laughs> so we are 11 for... No, nine, ten, let's see. There's 11 shrapnels that we scrapped, and we've got one that is now in limbo. 
hanging in the balance. Yeah, oh, come on. Let's get a commitment. You guys, come on. Keep it. Let's go. <laughs> Make a decision. Right. Well, it's going to be old We're... business in the next podcast, Otis. So now you're, I mean, you're on the hook to listen to the next one. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So don't make me bring my will so, in here. So listen, we want we want people to vote on this. If you want to keep oh, that's right. good early direction and group of drunks, email us your vote. Freedom at alcoholicsanonymousalive.com. Wow. Otis, we've appreciate you coming on. This is what fun. a joy. Thank you so much. Really. Uh thank you for the invitation. It was delightful. Yeah. So everyone out there remember that uh we're free. Freedom. Freedom. Thanks for listening. If you have a suggestion, comment, or just need help, you can email Shank and Wayne at freedom at alcoholicsanonymousalive.com. Stay tuned for next week's episode, Step 4 with Meredith C.